Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We are presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. Our guest today will be Andrew Allegretta, one of the play-by-play voices for Vanderbilt Athletics. Andrew appears on the guest line, which is presented by Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group. Michael is a local carpenter and a lifelong Vandy fan. He builds bookshelves, cabinets, picture frames, furniture, and made-to-order items. That includes a display case for my prized Dale Murphy jersey. I've seen Michael's work. He's a true craftsman. If you're in the market for custom woodwork, give Michael a call. That number is 615-830-9458. We've got another new sponsor to the show. That's Stakes. They are sponsoring our news line. There are a lot of big games coming up in college football this weekend, including Vandy's game at Alabama. So we went ahead and made some predictions in the Stakes app, including who wins straight up between Vandy and Bama, and also who covers the 40-point spread. We want to hear from our audience. If you agree or disagree with our takes, go to playwithstakes, that's S-T-A-K-E-S dot com forward slash 14. Sign up for stakes. Put your prediction on our question. If you use invite code southeastern14, when you sign up, you'll get a double welcome bonus. Stakes is a place where you can play and bet on games for free. There's never a cost. You can win NFTs. So have some fun. No downside, no cost. Jump on in the Stakes app and join me there. Vanderbilt got some good news this week when quarterback A.J. Swan was selected the SEC Freshman of the Week. Swan was 18 for 28, passing through for four touchdowns, no interceptions, 255 yards. He also added three carries for 14 yards as Vanderbilt went to Northern Illinois and won 38 to 28. Now on to our interview with Andrew. Andrew Allegretta joins us today. We're going to talk a little bit about Vanderbilt's win over Northern Illinois. Look a little bit ahead to this weekend's game at Alabama. Andrew, thanks for joining us. I hope you are well. Uh, I'm well. Uh, Both you and I are dealing with the scorching 9,000-degree heat on a brisk middle September afternoon, so that's nice. You know, eight minutes ago I was out doing yard work. Right. Uh, kicking up a storm of dust. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm shocked I can even breathe at this point. It is about 95 degrees or so here right now are going to be that today. It's uh, yeah. It's crazy yeah. hot in Nashville right now. And then uh, and then you got a phone call from me, and I pitched you on doing my lawn. So, right. So that went well, too. Which I very politely declined. So, <laughs> Understandably so. <laughs> Well, speaking of taking care of work, Vanderbilt took care of its at Northern Illinois in a game that was seemingly very decidingly going one way until it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I think there was a lot of good things in there for sure, right? Obviously, first and foremost is the victory uh, and the way that they accomplished it. There's some troubling stuff in there for sure. Still, some of those pass plays makes you queasy, uh, the lack of pressure on the quarterback and defensive line depth makes queasy, especially going into this week. But uh, obviously the story coming out of the whole thing is the first start for AJ, right? And he looked very, very good. Um, 
was able to find Will Shepard effectively, was able to get downfield, and, you know, find um, Ray Davis on one heck of a play, probably the play of the season so far. So, yeah, there's a lot coming out of that that I think you have to be pleased with. And, and more than anything, right, they're sitting at 3-1. and one. And, you know, I know Clark goes into all of this trying to find a way to get to a victory at the end of every single game, but we all understand sort of the growth process the program is going through, and that's a clear step. That's a clear had struggles last year against ETSU, found a way to get wins against Colorado State and UConn. And, and here this year, you come out of non-conference, three and one. The only game that you lost is to a team that finished in the top 15 last year and has one of the best quarterbacks in the country. So uh, very, very clear progress from head coach Clark Lee uh, through four games. Andrew, I'm not a huge believer in momentum. I do think it exists to some degree. I think it is overrated. I think that's a thing that emotional fans get tied up in that professional athletes and and college athletes although now they're professionals too uh in a lot of ways don't get caught up in uh they just play the game and don't live it like the fans do but having said that my goodness it felt like that fourth and three play where aj swan made one of the best offensive plays i've ever seen a vanderbilt player make it felt like that took the wind out of that Northern Illinois team and like it was just a total flattening by Vanderbilt from that point on. Would what was it like being there, seeing it, maybe watching body language and crowd and, and whatever, if you could observe that, but it just it changed that game in a way that you rarely see a play change a game with that much time left. There was that one and then there Chris, there was the fourth down stop, and, and apologies for getting my timeline turned around throughout the course of that game. There was a fourth down stop, if I'm not mistaken, that happened in northern Illinois territory. I just can't remember if it happened when it was 28 to 14 or 28 to 21. It may have been 28 to 21. Um, but there were some gutsy calls by northern Illinois in which Vanderbilt has been, has been good in those scenarios, whether it's fourth down and short goal line. And, and they happened in rapid succession. Um, I'm not sure if it's momentum necessarily that that is the thing or the word, but I, I do believe in belief, right? And and the collective sense of a sideline and and needing a catalyst to to change the emotional feeling of a of a football game or a baseball game or whatever it happens to be. I mean, there's a reason that they say hits come in bunches. Uh and and part of it is the opponent and part of it is the belief and the confidence and if your confidence isn't great, you miss by six inches and it's a home run. And I, I think there's some of that too. So yeah, I, I think, and, and if, if we're extrapolating off of that, I do think momentum and belief are larger factors in college when the athleticism isn't quite as refined as it is in professional sports. I mean, the NFL is like you say, it's sort of like, and we're just moving chess pieces on a chessboard because everyone's got really high skills. Uh, and at a certain point, someone's going to make a better move. Um, but I, I, I don't know if it's momentum or not, but there, there's no doubt momentum is a factor and it also happened so quickly. Uh, again, it, it, it probably was the fourth down play, the gutsy charge there from, from Clark to go for it. And then the stop that they got on fourth down, which I think happened after, if I'm not mistaken, I think it went play by AJ to make it 28, 21 fourth down stop. And then they got the time nine touchdown. So I, it happens so fast and, and you know, that, People are human, so you know you kind of make gutsy decisions and you roll the dice and 
maybe you don't think with poise quite in the same way. So there, there's no doubt that that stretch in the third quarter, um, you could feel it. Uh, you, you sure could feel it. Um, changed, changed everything about that football game, the fan environment, the crowd, the plays by the players, all of that stuff. Okay, I found the sequence for you. Yeah. Uh, 6.53 left was in Swan through the touchdown to Davis. 4.40, play starting at the Northern Illinois 34. That's where Wusu breaks through the line and gets tackles for a loss of three. Vandy gets the ball at the 31. Commodores go no huddle, and they complete a touchdown pass to Will Shepard for 31 on the next play, which I think was, was mostly run after catch. Then Northern Illinois goes incomplete pass, incomplete pass, seven yard rush, five yard delay a game, um, and then a punt. And then that's the next drive where Shepard catches his other touchdown pass at 111. So that really was three touchdowns in the span of five and a half minutes. And, and from then it was over. Oh, for sure. 100%. And, and I think, I really do think the coaching staff deserves credit. We talked, we talked a little bit on the Commodore Hour Monday night about this. They changed the way that they played defense in that second half. And they're going to have to figure the whole thing out moving up to the SEC here this week. Uh, but look, they, they told their defensive linemen to get up and challenge the throwing lanes, and they did that. They knocked down passes. Uh, they changed the way that they handled their corners coverage, and that, that helped. And, you know, Northern was getting them on those, you know, five, ten-yard out routes or quick throws or whatever it was, and we weren't getting quick pressure. Uh, and they approached it differently. That's coaching. Um, at a certain point, that sort of coaching – may not be enough to get you over the hump. And perhaps this weekend against Alabama is one of those scenarios, but um, look, you got to give credit where credit is due. And and they made the right adjustments to help um, the moment that they were in. And they, they totally, they totally changed the vibe of things for sure with the way that they approached that passing attack for Northern Illinois. And then, and then Michael Lewis made a great play in fourth down. And and (laughs) I know you said broke through the line. I don't think he was touched on that play. If I remember correctly, I think that's probably more accurate. Yeah, I think they just whiffed on a on a blocking assignment. He just got right down the line and destroyed it. Um, Kiva Wesley at one point in that game made a great fourth down tackle. I mean, I we haven't talked about him a ton, but the converted offensive lineman to defensive lineman, I, he's been in the mix on some of those fourth down stops. Him and Christian James, like I I know we've kind of belabored uh, the defensive line depth and you know not getting pressure on the quarterback or or whatever it happens to be, but but some of these guys that have been tasked with stepping up in difficult situations uh, have, have done so. And they, they're going to have to keep doing that in conference play. But again, to, to the guys that are quote-unquote role players in these fourth down and short situations or guys that are second rotational defensive linemen and coaching changes that you get throughout the course of the ball game, those things add up. Uh, and they, they added up very quickly against Northern. Speaking of defensive line depth, I meant to ask Clark Lee this yesterday at the press conference. Do you have any sense of when they get Davion Davis back or if they get him back? Uh, I don't. Um, certainly, fingers crossed. Um, I, I, I don't have a good sense. Um, just, you know, gut instinct being around the program. I, I don't think it's this week against Alabama. Um, so... I, I, I really, really don't, Chris. I, I hope it's sooner rather than later, but just 
I'm not holding my breath um, for anything super immediate. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. The other one I was wondering about, and I've got him listed as a starter, Jalen Mahoney went out of that game early. He's listed as a starting nickel this week. Uh, but I think he only played six plays against Northern Illinois, which kind of made that a little more impressive, Andrew. They, they lose their best defensive back. They're getting thrown all over. And... Uh, you know, it just kind of changed in the last quarter and a half without a guy that I think they really need to have on the field almost every play. I, I just think it goes back to the way that they changed their defensive schemes. Um, I, I mean, and Clark didn't reference this specifically, and perhaps it was me noticing one individual play versus noticing a bunch of plays. But I, I just I felt like they asked their defensive linemen, especially the edge rushers, to kind of drop back into the flat and guard against that. And I don't know if the right term is bracket. Some of those wide receivers on the out routes or, or whatever it was, but they, they changed and it worked. Like I, I can visually see in my brain, Darren Agu getting up there and knocking down a pass. I mean, look, Rocky Lombardi gets hurt. And that's a, that's a factor in the story that we really haven't touched on. I mean, he's their starting quarterback. He had a great season last year. Um, you know, Michigan state transfer. And it's just different when you go to a redshirt freshman, in Ethan Hampton, if you're Northern, but, but, you know, you, you talk about Mahoney being out and they're still able to slow things down. I think it goes back to coaching and how they asked really their defensive line to approach. And Norm made this point in the broadcast. Like if you're not getting home as a defensive lineman, you've, you've got to be able to at least get your hands up and knock down a few passes. And uh, certainly, certainly saw that for sure with Darren Agu. And I think there was a couple of other, at least one or two other defensive linemen who had pass breakups in that ball game. Andrew, how good has Will Shepard been? And how good of a player do you think he's becoming? Um, I don't know. Um, he's obviously been very, very good. Um, I, I, I hesitate to step too far into the future. Um, you know, that was a very tough and physical matchup for, for Will. With I think it was C.J. Brown. They had their best defensive back. who's was really a safety, I guess, for them. Matched up on Will quite a bit to get physical with him. Uh, and, and Will was quiet through the first half, right? His two touchdowns come in the third quarter. They kind of come late. Um, and, and the other thing that we don't necessarily know is some of Will's statistics are matched up with Mike Wright as the quarterback versus A.J. Swan as the quarterback, and they're different. So you get Will engaged differently with A.J. than you do with Mike, which is no disrespect to one or the other. It just is. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, he's got, he's got a lot of things that you like. Um, I, I still... I, I don't, I don't, I don't know 
too much just yet. He's obviously a very, very gifted player. Like we, we knew going into this that Will was going to be one of your, your top offensive threats with Jaden McGowan, with Ray Davis, and, you know, fingers crossed getting Rocco Griffin and Pat Smith back this weekend. You had some pieces to work with. Um, I, I'm not quite sure. I, I don't know. Like Will has the size. For the most part, he seems to have the speed. I don't know that he's a 4-3-40 type of guy, but he's got the size. He's got good enough speed. He seems like he can break away from a defense if necessary. Um, I, 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 I want to see him get matched up with some like hyper-physical corners uh, who have good size, and can he go win a jump ball uh, on something down the sideline? I, I hunch that he can, um, and we've seen him have really, really big games, but he's going to start drawing more and more attention. If you go 10 catches, 171 and two scores, like you're going to draw a lot of attention this week from, you know, Nick Saban. And, and, and now you're going to have to figure out how to manage that. And that's partly on him. And that's partly on the schematics of the offense for Joey Lynch to find space. But, you know, I guess talk to me in about a month uh, and we'll see how Will responds to the extra attention from defensive coordinators in the league. The running back room and the depth there has been a constant topic of conversation. Ray Davis has, I think, had to carry a ton of the load, almost all of it at times, other than Chase Gillespie. Still don't know about Rocco Griffin. Uh, Maybe you do. I think Patrick Smith back this week. How do you see the running back room going forward, starting with this week? And it seems to me Griffin is still probably a a game-time decision as we talk on Wednesday morning. It certainly feels that way. It certainly feels like it's kind of a coin flip with Rocco at the moment, but but perhaps they know more than I don't know at the moment. Um, having Patrick Smith back is is a really big deal. Um, and so it, it's still going to be Ray Davis's running running back room, right? He's still that guy. Uh, but we've always known, and I've talked with Joey Lynch a little bit, and you know, fits and starts. So just again, not knocking anybody. It's just you look at the entirety of your playbook and you say, well, we can do X, Y, and Z with Ray. We can do X, Y, and Z with Rocco. We can do X, Y, and Z with, with Pat. We can do X, Y, and Z with Chase. And if you move two out of the four, all of a sudden your playbook looks different than it did at the start of the season. So that's, it's a reality. It's not an excuse, right? Coaches will also tell you that the, the mark of a really, really good coach is how you adjust throughout the course of the season when you think you have A and you end up having B um, six games in. So it's not an excuse. It's just, okay, the playbook looks differently. So all of a sudden you get Patrick back and, well, let's, let's see how he finds creative ways to expand the playbook back out and, and get people involved that weren't involved previously just based on the pieces that you can put on the field. So uh, it, it's Ray's running back room, but I like the fact that you've got Patrick coming back and hopefully um, Rocco Griffin coming back to spell Ray a little bit too because, I mean, that's going to be a lot of punishment for Ray throughout the course of the season if they don't have – uh, a little bit of uh, pressure relief with backup running backs. Vandy finally got Devin Lee back, and I know he was a little probably more limited than he will be down the line, probably fewer snaps, but how much do you sense that helps things on the defensive line? I, I mean, I, I just think all of the bodies matter. Um, I, I don't expect Devin to be at full strength just yet uh, because, of course not, right? Like, I'm sure he's healthy, but there's a difference between full strength and and healthy. Um, I, I, we've, we've always kind of touched on this, Chris, and, and again, not to be belittling or reductive, just Vanderbilt's in a place where any depth erosion is a problem. Um, and any bodies that you can get back 
that are skilled and can help you are of value. So, you know, whether it's just Devin Lee gets to the quarterback and makes a sack or he helps someone like Malik Langham or Christian James or Kiva Wesley or whoever else um, be factors throughout the course of the game because he's able to just give them a breather. Like that's a huge factor too. Like guys will get better just because Devin's presence is there. You know, speaking to depth on the defensive line, B.J. Diakate, who I don't think he even played the first couple weeks of fall camp due to, I guess, some sort of a health concern, I thought really gave them some good snaps. He and Agu have kind of taken over at that um, star you position, know, I've, I've I think. I've kind of gone through it, and, and yeah. yeah, not to jump in, but like I, 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 I do think there has been some people throughout the course of four weeks that maybe we weren't talking about at the start of the season and go, oh boy, defensive line depth is a real problem, um, that have started to gain some traction. And Diakati is absolutely one of them. Uh, and, and getting Issa Wataha back is, is one of them. Uh, and getting Christian James to be a factor. And Kiba Wesley, I, I, I mentioned his name again, like making some fourth down stops. Like, are, they, are they where they want to be in the course of their program's arc? Probably not. Um, Vanderbilt, that is. But Again, credit where credit is due. Uh, some of these guys were, were probably not factors at the start of the season, but then were forced to be factors with papers going down and still not having Lee and still not having Davy and Davis. Uh, depth is just such a depth is just such a thing. Um, having it and utilizing it just flat out makes you a better football program, and, and, and I, it is worth tipping your cap to Diakade, who I've noticed out on the field a handful of times. Well, and he's just one of a lot of new guys, Andrew. I mean, you look, there's a little bit of a youth movement going on because you've now got a true freshman starting quarterback. You've got, what, a redshirt freshman left tackle who's not being talked about, which is usually a pretty good thing, um, in Gunnar Hansen. You've got Jaden McGowan, who's a starting receiver, who's made some plays. Uh, you got Chase Gillespie, who has served as a backup at running back. Uh, probably won't be the the – primary backup from here on, but he gave them something they needed. We've talked about Agu and Diakate. Jadias Richard got 31 snaps um, playing, I guess, the nickel corner. He also got smoked on that long. Yeah, he also got smoked yeah. on that long touchdown pass by Northern. But but he's also been a factor, too. Like he's, yeah. That's the freshman thing, right? Like you have a massive kind of uh, moment, and it turns into a huge touchdown pass. But he's also been a factor in the positive, too. So, you know, I just I, – I, there's, there's any ways that you can frame it. I think the fact that Vandy has had two freshmen of the week in the first three weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> we're not, we don't want to just sit here and, again, talk about what's going to happen in two or three years because ultimately the task is to win the game in front of you and, and Clark as much as anybody knows that. But we talked about that with him on the Commodore Hour Monday night too. And, and he just, yeah, it's it's validation of what's happening. And it's, it's validation yeah. of people that bought in to this program um, when they were selling it in first class 22, right? Their first recruiting class, it's validation of this is what we think we can be. And if you come along with the journey with us, um, it's going to be something pretty special. Uh, we're going to have to recruit in a different way and develop our players in a better way than the rest of the league. Uh, but again, McGowan, AJ Swan, two freshmen of the week in the first three weeks. I, I mean, that's, that is noticeable and it's pretty loud to me. Uh, and I, I would be almost surprised if one of those two guys um, and maybe even Darren Agu or something like that uh, finds their way to another SEC freshman of the week 
at some point at some point down the road here the rest of this season. Yeah, Brad, Bradley Mann is playing increased snaps. I mean, trust me, Vanderbilt's had ample opportunity in the past for freshmen to come in and make a mark, but it's hard to do. I, I don't remember a year where freshmen have helped them more than they have this year. And yes, some of that is a product of what Clark Lee inherited as a bad roster, but I mean, there's, there's a big jump between playing and being SEC freshman a week. I mean, these guys are really... I know you just said it, but these guys are really starting to pop, and I think that can only help their recruiting going forward because uh, they can point and say, hey, look, if you can play, this right. staff will give you an opportunity. That's right. And and you're going to come be a part of something that's that that has seen tangible results. And, and you know, I, speaking of the coaches and fits and starts, too, it's like they, they recognize that this 22 recruiting class has a chance to be special. Now, it has to come together and, you know, all of that sort of stuff over the course of three to four years. But they, they are cognizant that this recruiting class that we're seeing start right now um, has a real tangible chance to be special. Uh, what does it mean in terms of how it changes the arc of the program or whatever? I, I don't know. Uh, and I recognize, too, that Vanderbilt has <laughs> – shoot, <laughs> Chris, I, literally like an hour ago, I just did an interview with uh, Chuck Scott, you know, All-American, played in the NFL, 83, 84, that kind of stuff. I just did an interview with him, and, like, I, you know, all that is old is new again. Like, Vanderbilt has – it's not that – it's not that Vanderbilt has not had really talented football players over the course of its history. Of course it has. It's just been, it's been the depth and it's been the number of them and, and what potentially that this program has in this first recruiting class is more depth of talent than they've had in a handful of years. So, you know, they got to keep stacking recruiting classes for it to really, really matter. But, um, yeah, it, they're, they're on the right, they're on the right track with this group and we've seen it in four weeks. Are you ready for the mailbag? Let's go. Our mailbag is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. That number 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Okay, this is from Ann Arbor Door. Vanderbilt baseball has a fall game in Las Vegas against Arizona State. The stadium looks really small, so guessing fan attendance is not an option. Is that correct? And will you be broadcasting that game? Uh, one, and I apologize, I do not know. And then two, I do know. Uh, what's the, the dates? What's the date? Like it's. I don't know. I mean, there's, I, I would think there's a good chance, unless it's October the 29th, and I think it's earlier than that, that you, it's going to conflict with the too. football game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The the answer is is no, we won't broadcast it. I'm I'm hopeful, especially since it's a road venue like that, perhaps that they'll they'll do some sort of um um simple basic streaming. I don't I don't know. You know, when we do the black and gold, you know, World Series there, we, we try to do a radio broadcast. Um, uh, but when um when they're on the road for fall ball, we're 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 pretty tethered to football during this time of year, which you know, I that's that's there's like a, and I don't, not to get into the weeds on like the broadcasting world, uh, but there's, there's, I'm uh, pecking order is not the right word, but there's, there's a respect and kind of a natural alignment of things where, where you, where you're going to be honoring the sport that is in season. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So we're, we're honoring the football season as it is going on. And then we will devote all of our resources to, to the baseball season when that comes around in the basketball season. But like, you know, uh, part, part of the setup that is nice is that there doesn't have to be, um, a trade-off between football, basketball, and baseball because Kevin can handle basketball when that season comes around and there's no disrespect factor there to basketball. And I can handle the baseball season without the basketball overlap. And there's no disrespect to, to baseball, but you know, we share a radio station in town locally with the women's basketball program. And if they've got an NCAA tournament game or an SEC tournament game, and we've got a, we've got a Tuesday night game against, you know, whoever it happens to be, um, we're going to honor the sport that is further along in their season. So, um, you know, women's basketball gets the priority on that station and, and baseball will, will slide to wherever it needs to go in those moments. And the same will be true, by the way, for, for men's basketball. The football is going along and we've got a game against, you know, I, I, candidly, I've not looked at the overlap, but if there was a conflict with Florida or Tennessee, then the men's basketball games would slide to a different station to honor the sport that is furthest along in the season. So um, that's a very long-winded answer to say, no, I will not be traveling out there um, for those fall games uh, but we do make our best to, to broadcast games that are on campus when we can during the fall i'm looking at the basketball schedule i actually don't think you have a game day conflict between football and basketball so no, no what no what you yeah. will have is back to backers where you've got a, yeah. a friday basketball and a saturday football yeah so send your send your thoughts to kevin ingram well send, send your appreciation to whoever did that too <laughs> For for me, <laughs> yeah, because right, sure. uh, sure. we'll do. Yeah, because those are those are tough. Those uh, those two sport game days, which they seem to happen a lot in baseball and basketball too. And I've I've had actually had some days. Remember one year I I think I covered, I want to say I covered a spring game, a basketball game, and a baseball game in the same day. Yeah, that's enough. I mean, <laughs> I have less equipment to move than you enough. too, though. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. My wife yeah, would agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Last one. Poor Vandy fan 615 asks, were you able to attend the Smashville home run derby and softball game Monday night with Predators players and Vandy athletes? We had a great time and it seems like a no brainer. They would collaborate like something on this every year. I was. We broadcasted the Commodore Hour from Hawkins Field that night. So we were up in the booth there talking with Clark. Um, and we talked with Carter Holton just to kind of, you know, get his, his take on watching some of his teammates do all of this. Um, you know, I don't, I think that's mostly a Brooks Webb uh, collaboration because the Preds would always come here and do their home run derby as like a team bonding thing in the fall, but they've talked for a while, like we could make this more. And they did. I'm glad they did. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that they'll do that more in the future. Um, you know, I was a little... I thought we would get, and I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not, this is, I'm not pointing fingers or anything like that. I just, I, I feel like that's such a cool event. We could, we could get a really, really good crowd. I thought we had a nice crowd, but I thought we could have a better crowd. I don't know if it was the Titans. I don't know if whatever it was, but, uh, you know, I thought that was a nice, there's, man, there's so many opportunities in this city. And I've kind of talked ad nauseum about this and um, I'm always cautious because like I said earlier, what is old is sometimes new again, but Boy, the, the city and the teams here and the the music world here and, you know, the thought leaders here, all of that sort of stuff. There's so many chances for really, really good good things. It's just a matter of finding the right fit at the right time. And I, I certainly thought the Smashville Showdown was one of them. I, I hope we do it again, and I hope we get a, you know, twice as big crowd next year. 
Andrew, any parting thoughts on Northern Illinois game, the upcoming Alabama game? Any notes with the broadcast that you'd like to make? The floor is yours as we finish the show today. Yeah, as always, not really. I just I appreciate people listening. If you've got um, if you got questions for Clark Lee during the Commodore Hour, you can always send them my way on my social media accounts, just A. Allegretta on Twitter. DMs are open. But we've also, and I've posted this, we've got kind of a, a website form and Q&As where if you ever feel like you want to reach out and ask Clark a question, you know, those, those old, like, um, you know, call-in shows, some places still have them. I think maybe the Titans have it on 104.5 The Zone or whatever. I, you know, we, we don't just out of sheer mechanics and logistics and what's to fit at the right place in the right time. But, but I want to make sure that there's a, there's an avenue for fans. If they've got questions for whether it's for me or the broadcast or whether it's, uh, for Clark and the Commodore hour on Monday nights, um, you know, there's a, I've tweeted it out. It's that very first story we put out about the Commodore hour. There's a Q and a form on there where you can submit questions and we've gotten a nice response of questions throughout the course of the year. But, uh, by all means, if you've got questions, comments, you know, things that you'd like to hear us do or whatever, whatever it happens to be, um, our, uh, our ears are open and, you know, um, I, I want to make sure that we're, we're doing the best we can. I've kind of rambled on that kind of stuff in the past. So it's nothing new, but, um, you know, we're, I'm not just trying to sit up there in the booth, hide away and call the game and be done with it. Um, if there's things we can, we can do to make, you know, a fan's experience, enjoyment level, connectivity to the program better, uh, let me know. And we'll, we'll try to make that part of our, our routine. Well, Andrew, thank you as always for your time. It's been a lot of fun. Have a safe trip to Alabama, and uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Yes, sir. Good luck with the rest of your lawn, Chris. <laughs> you bet. I'm, I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net, as well as our new sponsors, Stakes and the Kendrick Group. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.